This podcast is sponsored by Mass Mutual. Every way we look out for the ones we love is an act of mutuality. Mass Mutual can help with the financial ones. There's personal finance for the masses. This is not personal finance for the masses. This is queer money. Marriage is newish to the queer community, and divorce is slightly more newish to us. None of us want divorce, but sometimes it happens, and that's what today's queer money is all about. Our guests today, Shanna Bell and Kayla Sloan of Cashwise Ex-Wives, share their insights and experience having gone through divorce, how to better manage divorce, and how they and their membership website are helping many people survive divorce. Whether you're married yet or not, and whether you think you'll get divorced or not, this episode will be informative for you and at the very least prepare you for what hopefully never happens. A little about our guests. Kayla was married at age 19 and divorced by age 20 for many of the same societal pressures the LGBT community faces. Since her divorce, Kayla has learned to love being independent and has built an online business and life she loves. From being in a verbally abusive marriage to being a single mother on WIC and food stamps, Shanna can relate to many women out there today. But she didn't let her struggle stop her. Shanna continued to pay all of her bills and even fed herself and her two children an extremely healthy diet with no money. Shanna, too, has turned her struggles into her triumph to help others. Today's Queer Money is brought to you by the Debt Free Guys 7-Day Debt Freedom Challenge, and you can accept that challenge at DebtFreeGuys.com. Finally, if you like this or any other episode of Queer Money, please help us get Queer Money into the ears of more people. Please share Queer Money with one or two people in your life today. Thank you, and let's get started. So welcome Shanna Bell and Kayla Sloan of Cashwise Ex-Wives. How are you doing? Great. We're doing great. Awesome. Wonderful. Great to have uh, you both. So to help our listeners know who is who, Shanna Bell, would you please say hello? Hello. This is Shanna. <laughs> and Kayla Sloan, would you please say hello? Yes, I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Great, thank you. We're excited to have you. So uh, this is an interesting topic for our community because as everyone who's listening to the show knows, marriage equality only happened in June of 2015. Um, and it actually wasn't too long after that, that divorce equality came <laughs> right along. There were people divorcing, I think, within the first couple of months, partly because I don't think they understood what they were necessarily getting into. However, we have the Cashwise ex-wives uh, on the show to help explain divorce and how to uh, make it a little bit more amicable and especially not go into financial ruin um, because of it. Right. So thank you for coming on our show. We appreciate having you. Thanks for having us. Definitely. Absolutely. So uh, to give our listeners a little bit of a background, Kayla, would you mind sharing why did you and Shanna take this on as a topic and turn it into a business? Yeah, for sure. So Shanna and I have been really good friends since we met at FinCon, which is a financial bloggers conference. And I know you guys go to that as well. So mm-hmm. um, Shanna and I met at that last year in 2017. And we've been friends ever since. And we talk regularly and both realized around the same time that we were encountering this situation where people were finding our websites and reading our stories and approaching us and saying not only just, you know, thanks for your money advice, but specifically, thanks for your advice about going through divorce and how you dealt with that and sharing your stories personal stories. And so after hearing that multiple times in a short time frame from, you know, listeners and readers and things like that, we felt like this is something that we needed to take 
a step further. And so we started Cashwise Ex-Wives to be a resource for people going through divorce and to help give them encouragement and financial resources and to share our stories. And we always, you know, start with the disclosure of we're not lawyers um, (laughs) and we're not certified financial planners or, you know, tax accountants or anything like that. So, you know, we always recommend that in any type of situation where that's needed, that you do seek those resources. But, you know, we still do our best to share our stories and help people going through this tough situation. As important as it is to work with divorce attorneys and and accountants who are familiar with the divorce process, I think it's hugely beneficial to have people who have gone through the process as maybe not professionals. Um, You can talk about it on a one-on-one experience. Shanna, could you please maybe share with our audience how your experience has helped you grow the business and connect with your current audience? Yes. uh, Well, my divorce kind of was almost the impetus for my main business and would not have happened if I hadn't have gotten divorced. And I really started my main business because I wanted to help other people with uh, their health and do it on a budget because that's what I ended up having to do while I was married and then also a lot afterwards. Um, so the divorce for me has translated into everything that I've become now for better or for worse. And I know for, for me and my ex-husband both, it, it changed us for the better. And we have become, I don't want to say friends because we weren't friends to begin with really, but <laughs> we have become a lot better parents to our kids and more amicable with each other than we were when we were married. Uh-huh. Um, so it was good. It was a good thing for us, for both of us. And financially, it was a good thing for us. And then it translated to Cashwise XY to the same reasons that Kayla, Kayla said that people were talking to me about, you know, everything that I talk about on my blog or personally and they appreciated how open and candid I was about it because it can be not always, but it can be a very painful and emotional process. Right. I think that, you know, John was alluding to this, but the whole idea of working with an attorney or with a tax accountant, oftentimes that feels a little sterile because you're, you're, dealing with law or with numbers, but reading something where someone is pouring out their emotions or feelings or telling a story of a particular situation that can resonate with someone that really helps them realize that they're not necessarily alone or to help them understand what they may be looking at going forward. So I think there's a lot of people out there who appreciate what you're doing. So let me just ask a high level question here around this whole idea of divorce. What should someone be thinking about if even before the idea of divorce comes up, you know, maybe I think that you know, sometimes you can see those warning signs coming, but what are some thoughts that you would have in mind maybe from your experience, maybe weeks, months before the actual topic of divorce came up? Um, Shanna, do you want to maybe share some some thoughts first, what, what you were kind of seeing in the, before the whole idea of divorce came up? Sure. For me, before the idea of divorce came up, um, our our relationship was fairly emotionally tumultuous, mm. um, which is not something that really science that something was not right. And we had actually discussed uh, going to counseling a couple of times. My ex was not amenable to the idea at the time. Later, he did agree to it. So I actually asked for a divorce about a year before the before our divorce ended up actually happening. And that's because we talked about a lot of things, but we just weren't on the same page. We weren't on the same page emotionally. We weren't on the same page with parenting. 
we weren't on the same page financially. Um, and that was a huge, that was a huge impetus because we had constant money fights and I was, I was constantly stressed out and I was in charge of all of the finances, which to a degree is fine because I've always kind of handled the finances on my own anyways. But when you have a partner, whether or not they're good at it is something that you need to be able to discuss. You need to have open conversations about finances, as I know you guys have talked about right. before. <laughs> it's very important to be able to do that. And if you can't, and it's gone on for years, and the finances continually get worse, and you keep getting into more and more debt, and you're at the point where you know you can't even afford to pay for gas to take your kids to the park because it had gotten to that degree, then it became difficult for me to see any other option other than divorce because the only path that I could see at that point was just continually going down and it wasn't good for me and it wasn't good for the kids and it wasn't good for my ex-husband. None of us were happy. And so that's, that's kind of how I knew divorce was going to happen for me. Kayla, do you maybe want to share some of your, your uh, thoughts as well? Maybe your experience? Yeah. My experience was different than Shanna's. And so when we came together for this project, we felt that that was actually a a good benefit for us because we went through, you know, different situations. So we have different angles to share. And for me, I hadn't been married very long and really the warning bells were going off even before the wedding. But at the time I put them out of my mind, which is just like, trust your gut people, you know? you really learn more about yourself after going through something like this. And for me, that's what I learned about myself is that I need to trust my instincts and trust my gut. And, you know, after the marriage, we had, you know, tied the knot and decided to, I decided that I needed to make the best of the situation, even though things weren't going great. We were fighting a lot. Again, not on the same page about career goals, um, family goals, things like that. And, we also had some issues with uh, infidelity in our relationship. And so, you know, I guess for me, I felt like it was definitely coming and I had plenty of warning. So I immediately started thinking about what did I need to do to protect myself because I knew it was going to be tough financially. I was still a full-time college student, only working a part-time job and ended up going from, you know, responsible for half or less of the financial responsibility of paying for rent and utilities and all that stuff to paying that on my own. My husband was working full time, so he wasn't in school. So his income was greater than mine, which made it difficult for me to do all of that on my own. So I had to really figure out how I was going to make that work financially. Right. So it's it does sound like both of you, to a certain degree, had some warning signs, whether it was infidelity or financial issues, uh, a kind of tumultuous relationship. So just keep in mind that, that if those things are happening in your relationship, it doesn't necessarily mean divorce is on the horizon, but it's a possibility that that's where the relationship could end. Of course, we always suggest, you know, try anything you can first, you know, try counseling, try, you know, seeking those resources because, you know, I mean, you've chosen this person for a reason, right? They're supposed to be yep. your life partners. So, you know, if there's anything you can do to avoid divorce and and get back on the same page and salvage your relationship and move forward and be happy, of course, we want to do that first. We don't encourage divorce in our, in our group. We don't encourage that. But if people are already going through yeah. that, then we do want to serve as a resource and a community for them. So nice. So Kayla, you alluded to this as being maybe 
integral to your divorce. And we know that consistently, one of the top three reasons for people getting divorced is money related. Anecdotally, is that what you're experiencing uh, with the people who you work with through Cashwise, ex-wives and communicate online and in social media? Kayla? We've definitely found that the people that we've connected with have had, you know, a financial aspect. If it's not the only thing, you know, causing their divorce, it's definitely a portion of it. Um, most of the people that I've talked with in our group and other places online and, and in real life, you know, in real life, not online. Um, <laughs> what is you know, real life? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but finances have definitely been an aspect of the you know, the turmoil in the relationship. And usually it's because um, one person's a spender and one person's a saver and they can't seem to find a middle ground to agree. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a spender and a saver in a relationship. But if you're both going to be really hard headed and not be able to come to the same page, then that is going to lead to problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we seem to figure out how one saver and one spender seem to work together. So we seem to be doing okay. <laughs> Dave, David exercises a lot of patience. <laughs> so how do you know how do you know when divorce is the only option? Like at what point did you say, at least in your own experience, did you, did you know like, okay, I, I just can't, I can't do anything else at this point. I, I, this has just got to stop. I'll throw that to, to Shanna. Well, for me, I think my, my situation was was different than Kayla's just, I mean, as previously mentioned, but for me, I knew that I knew that I didn't see any other option. Um, when my ex husband was, um, he became emotionally abusive and he did it a lot in front of the kids. And my breaking point was that one day when he was screaming at me in front of the, the kids and calling me every colorful name in the book that I realized I didn't want my children to grow up in that experience and think that that was normal in a relationship. And I didn't see how anything could change because I had asked him multiple times throughout the years to go to counseling so we could try and figure out how to get on the same page and communicate more effectively without screaming or name calling. And that was that was pretty much when I decided that I was that I was done. I did we did end up going to counseling. He did agree after I left him the first time. But that lasted about 6 months and our um, we went every week and our counselor even kind of came to the same agreement. She said she had no idea how how we ever really got married in the first place because we do not we do not do the same dance. Um, <laughs> we just we just communicate. We just there's nothing, you know, good or bad. And that's always what I tell the kids. There's nothing good or bad about your father and I. We just communicate differently. We have different perspectives. There's no wrong or right. It just is the way it is. And we just don't communicate well. That's what it comes down to. And, you know, for us, since. Since the divorce, even though it was, you know, a year of nasty, fun battle in courts and with lawyers and mediators, after that, it actually settled down and everyone's been a lot happier because we just don't work well together. Right. You know, it's interesting, I think, especially in the more traditional marriage situations uh, for young men and women, they oftentimes uh, feel pressured into getting married, right? They they feel these pressures from family, from friends. You've been dating for a couple of years. And so whether or not it's right, you feel this pressure to conform to society's norms of, I've got to, we, we could, you know, we went to high school. Now we need to get married or we went to college. Now we need to get married and then we need to have kids. And there's this kind of marching progression of norm in society that you have to do this. And there isn't that oftentimes that opportunity to stop and say, 
is this a long-term relationship or maybe we just need to to pull back a bit and see if this is going to last? So I don't know if that was necessarily your situation, but I, I definitely see that from the outside. And even yeah. when I was young and, and I had been dating a girl for a couple of years, I was getting that pressure from from church and from my family and friends to get married. And I knew that that wasn't the right path forward for me. But I can't imagine that there's so many young people who do get married, especially very young. And yeah. it's not yeah. necessarily the right thing. I should preface what I had said earlier by saying that I... I ended up getting married because I felt peer pressure hmm. because hmm. I found out I was pregnant. Oh, yeah. So I got married because I was pregnant, even though I did not want to. But due to societal familial pressure, I caved and did it anyways. So right. Kayla and I had similar experiences on our wedding days and that <laughs> neither one of us are really feeling like it was the best option, but we did it anyway. <laughs> So Kayla. note to self, if you're feeling that, don't do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. That is great advice. You'd save a yeah. lot of money, huh? <laughs> save a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I know this is something that we're going to talk more about maybe, but, and I might be jumping the gun here a little, but I felt that same type of pressure too. And those societal norms of getting married and especially, you know, I lived, I live in rural America and I feel like the pressures of living in a small community. And, you know, I, I can't speak to people living in a city. I haven't done it, right? But the pressures I felt living in a small community is that all my friends are getting married at a very, very young age. You know, my parents got married at a very young age. So I really felt like that was the expectation. And when I went ahead and did it and then ended up getting divorced and deciding to change my life, I really, that was the first time that I pushed back on those societal norms, you know, and then I did all these other things like becoming an entrepreneur and, you know, <laughs> deciding to do all these other different things where it's like, I really have come to know myself and, you know, divorce doesn't seem to be a positive thing during the time, of course, but there are so many positive things that can come from it if you have the right attitude and if you're, you know, approaching it the right way, you know, it's, it's tough, it's emotional, it's, hard. It's not something that you generally expect, right? Like none of us go into our marriage like, oh, you know, I'm going to be divorced in a year or two. Like that's not, that's not our goal, right? We don't go into it with that, but there are still positive things that can come out of it. Nice. I love that outlook. And we'll definitely, we'll definitely touch on that. But before we, we do that, I want to ask, I can imagine that, you know, when you're sort of at the apex of your frustration with your marriage or you're in a heated argument that, that there's this desire to just say, I want a divorce and I want to end this. But I imagine that's also probably not the smartest move to make. So how should someone prepare emotionally and financially before proposing divorce? Um, I'll toss that to start with Kayla. So for me, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, I was in college, so I really had to seek outside help. I didn't have um, the ability to really prepare myself financially. So I had to reach out to people. And in this case, I ended up reaching out to my parents to see if this was something that they could support me with. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do because I am very proud. I like to be a very strong person. And so that may be a fault at times, but asking for help was really hard. But doing that meant that I could go ahead and pursue the divorce and know that I had support behind me financially and emotionally. And, you know, having that helped encourage me to go ahead and make the decision to get divorced, which ended up being a good decision. 
Did you do any other than talking with your parents? And I'm, I'm sure you talked with uh, friends and, and family. Mm-hmm. What other steps did you take? Did you read any books? Did you research online? Did you seek a, a divorce group of any sort? I didn't. And I think for me, there was a lot of shame in going through divorce. You know, I got married and divorced at such a young age that I think I just felt so much embarrassment that I didn't seek those resources. And then, you know, during the time of my divorce and right after my divorce, I actually went through a period of pretty dark, you know, depression and and financial problems myself. And I think if I had sought more of those resources up front and not been so proud about some of that, I may have been able to weather that storm better without having that, you know, darker period right after my divorce. And, you know, I did eventually pull myself out of that, but it was, it was difficult. And, you know, so I want to try and be that resource for other people. And that's part of why we started this group is to, you know, say like, here's a community of people that are going through the same thing you are. And there's no shame in talking about it here. Like, we're not going to shame you. We're not going to make you feel bad about it. Like we want to be support for you. Great. I I love that. So Shanna, would you mind sharing, not identifying anybody's personal information, but what kind of questions are you receiving in your group from people who are considering divorce? Do you have any sort of patterns or trends you're seeing? I would say a lot of the ones that that I've seen have a lot to do more with um, either state specific and, you know, they want to know, you know, if there's a lawyer or who they could talk to or what the laws are and we aren't lawyers. So we obviously send them along to resources that we have contacted that are certified in whatever area that may be because we are not lawyers. So that's, that's one I've seen some when it comes to um, division of assets, you know, how, how does it work in the state? You know, if we get divorced, does my husband get the house? Does my wife get the house? Who gets the car? That one seems to be, you know, fairly common because people who have assets want to know how is it going to work? And it is different in every state. So it's not, it's not 50, 50 everywhere, which, you know, some people think that's the case and it's not. So I would say, you know, that, and a lot of times they really just want, you know, support to know that they can do this, that this is the decision that they've made. That it can that it can be done, that you can survive, that you can do it without being completely financially ruined. And so a lot of times they really just need support to know from people who've done it that it can be done, that it's feasible. Right. I, I think that what you're kind of alluding to there, Shanna, is this whole idea of I've gotten used to a particular lifestyle <laughs> and now there's going to be some sort of change. And so, you know, what what is different about before or during a divorce or, or after a divorce, maybe just from your personal perspective, you know, give it kind of maybe share with us some of the thoughts of what it was like when you, you know, before we already, we kind of know the understanding of, uh, of the tumultuous situation, but during your divorce or maybe after your divorce, what kind of things were, were you seeing or happening that maybe someone who's listening and thinking about divorce may be prepared to experience? Well, I found that during during the divorce, there are no necessary set fees for lawyers. Uh, they can change their fees depending on what your finances are. It's an interesting trick. Wow, <laughs> so, that's that's I know. incredible. It's not something they widely advertise either. But I other friends who were getting divorced around around the same time after me, and I sent them to the same lawyer that I had used, and they charged them completely different amounts, but they also made more money than me. So. That was an interesting thing that I learned. And then I heard from some other people that that's actually more common than people think. Um, I feel like that's wrong, but, and maybe it's not that way anymore. 
But apparently, if you make very little to no money, they're willing to cut you some slack. <laughs> um, although Which, some slack still meant about $5,000 for me. So that and that when you have no money is still a lot of money. Right, right. And, and after the divorce, uh, is, is there kind of maybe me. some initial experiences that you were were having so, that you can share? After the after the divorce, for me, I I still wasn't getting any child support at the time. I had the kids all the time. Now we do 50-50 and we have for years, which is a beautiful thing. Nobody pays anybody and I love it. And so does he. But at the time I had the kids all the time and he uh, was not paying child support. And I had the house, which was mine before we met. So, and I only worked one day a week. So I was having a very difficult time financially because I was living on about $800 a month. Um, and I started talking to some people. I was one of the first people I knew to get divorced. So I researched the best of my ability at the time, but I've always had a hard time asking for help. And that's probably a tip that I would say is a good thing to have. Don't, don't feel bad about reaching out for help, whether it's advice or guidance as kind of like Kayla is, I'm very independent and have always kind of done things on my own. And so Asking for help was a difficult thing for me. But when I finally did, I found out that there was this program called uh, WIC. And then they also had one called Food Stamps, uh, which is for people with children. Food Stamps, you don't have to be a woman. You can be a man. You could be anybody with children. They don't care. So if you have children, then they'll help you pay for food. They give you money like a debit card uh, to buy food. Interesting. It was a very humbling experience for me because I had never really taken handouts before. And I felt, I felt for me like it was a handout, but it was what I had to do at the time in order to feed my kids. So I did what I had to do. Uh, and I was on, I was on food stamps for about two years. Um, uh, I made it work. The finances for me were extremely tight to, to nothing after I got divorced. So, and that was my, one of my biggest fears when I thought about going through divorce was how was I going to make it work financially, especially with kids and how we were going to do custody or anything else. So it was tight and there were plenty of nights when I cried a lot because I didn't know how I was going to pay for anything. But I did also ask my family for help sometimes and they would they would buy paper goods like toilet paper, and <laughs> tissues, the important things, um, put, well, food stamps didn't cover those. They cover food products. Um, right. and I couldn't even afford, I couldn't even afford toilet paper. So my parents would sometimes buy me a bottle of wine every week or every other week. And that was like gold. I don't even know what kind of wine it was. I didn't care. <laughs> it was gold when you have no wine and you have no money. And then somebody gives you a bottle, you will, you'll just cherish it forever. <laughs> don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Right. No, never. <laughs> Never. So for me, I think that was just learn to ask for help as somebody who's had a difficult time or whole life doing that um, and realize there are other resources out there that you may not know about. So That's great advice. Here's a quick word from our sponsor. If, like us, you're getting to a time in your life when you're starting to think about the financial ways of protecting your loved ones, Mass Mutual is there to help. Now let's get back to the show. Would you mind sharing what are some of the typical less thought of expenses that maybe both of you incurred or that you're hearing from in your group that people forget to think about about the divorce process? I'll throw that to, to Kayla. Oh, that's a tough question. Um, I think for me, I actually did my divorce very, very cheaply because I didn't have a ton of assets and I didn't have children. So I actually filed myself and avoided a ton of costs that way. But some of the less thought of expenses I've heard are just related to 
like your monthly budget, like going from one to two, when you got married, you know, you were able to split a lot of your expenses and cut some of your costs by, you know, moving in together and things like that. And so then, you know, you may not immediately think of how much your living expenses are going to increase again once you're living by yourself. And so, I mean, I know that sounds like totally like, duh, I'm going to have to pay my own rent again. But it's just like in the moment when you're in that emotionally charged situation and you're thinking about going through divorce and deciding to file and all those things, like that's what's on your mind. You're not thinking about what are my utility bills going to be? How am I going to pay rent by myself? Like that may hit your mind a little bit later in the process, but it's not something that you're going to probably think of right off the bat. Yeah. It almost seems like uh, when someone goes through the the divorce process, there there almost should be a before and after financial assessment, right? What's what's life like now? Because I think you kind of do that kind of assessment when you're getting ready to go through and divvy up assets, if that's the way your state works. But then what is life going to be like afterwards? And if this is the way we divide up assets, and this is the way alimony goes, or this is what my income is, what's my life going to look like? Because I guess there's a lot of, a lot of people ask that, that question, is divorce financial ruin? And I will say one of the experiences John and I had here in Denver is we worked at uh, one of the local missions and we were kind of curious as to why so many men were homeless at this particular mission. And one of the directors told us that many of the men who are there have full-time jobs, but because of the way Colorado state law is and division of assets, they're sending all their money on at, to alimony and they don't have enough money left over to be able to afford a home for themselves. So they live on the streets mm-hmm. while they're taking care of their ex-wife and family and their the children. But I think as you kind of mentioned, uh, Shanna, that the, the exact opposite can be true for women sometimes when there's maybe alimony is, and child support is not flowing in the direction it's supposed to be flowing. So uh, there's this question around, it, will it cause me financial ruin? Can you maybe help put away some of those fears or subside some of those fears that people may have? I think if you go into it knowing that this is the path you're wanting to go down, and especially if you can, if it can be more amicable, that's, that's a huge thing. Then financial ruin is not something that has to occur. But if it's a situation that's less amicable, more emotionally charged may end up in court, it can be harder, but it can be, it can be done. I think a lot of it just comes down to, to planning, to knowing exactly what you have, to talking to people ahead of time. That is something that I did. I spoke with uh, a couple of different lawyers pro bono to get their take on the situation. And that was very helpful. And I think a lot of lawyers still do that. If you're contemplating divorce, they'll, you know, give you a free, not strategy session, but, you know, a a free session to just kind of discuss how things work there and what their initial take is and what, what things you should look at before you decide to do it uh, from a financial aspect. Mm. So I think that that helps a lot. If you, if you really plan ahead of time if that's where you're heading to go with with yeah. divorce. Let me ask, do you think a lot of this would be the the stress and the outcome of divorce would be solved if more people were open to marital agreements, preferably a prenuptial agreement? Kayla? Yes. Um I do. <laughs> like period. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> this is actually something Shanna and I just covered. Um, and we had an expert come on. So we do bring in experts monthly to cover some of these more technical topics. And so we had an expert come on and discuss this with us because I think premarital and marital agreements are something that people forget about or they think like, oh, only rich and famous people have those. You know, like that's the stigma that we see, I think. But, you know, going forward now that I've been through divorce and know what it's like, um, mine came out pretty favorable, especially considering I didn't have much going in anyway. But that's something that I'm definitely going to consider if I ever, you know, approach getting married again. And I think that's a really, really smart idea. So if you're not married yet, definitely look into it if you want to protect yourself financially, protect your assets, protect your inheritance that you may be getting from your relatives or things that you want to save for your children if you already have children. Um, there's a lot, a lot of benefits you can have from getting a prenuptial or a nuptial agreement. So even if you are already married, you can still have one of these drawn up. Um, both spouses do have to be in agreement. That's how it was explained to us anyway by the expert we had on. But they're definitely beneficial for both parties to have protections financially. Yeah, I definitely think it's an important thing to consider. You know, both of you mentioned that getting married in the situations you did were younger, but I think as our population ages, it seems like more of us are getting married older, uh, whether it's in our late 20s, early 30s, or in, in the case of our community, the LGBT community, there's so many of, of us who have gotten married in our 40s, 50s, and 60s because now it's available. We don't need to have this stigma anymore that a premarital agreement is setting you up for failure. All that is, is guaranteeing that you have an agreed upon method of if things do go that way, then you do take out a lot of this stress. And so it does allow, I think, allow individuals to be a little bit more in tune with what uh, what would happen if you were to go through a divorce? And it may, in some cases, prevent people from going through a divorce because you realize how much of a partnership you really do have when you are together. I think, too, it's like making that agreement with, when you're both agreeable is way better than trying to make those type of decisions when things go south or, you know, even if it's an amicable divorce, like it's still going to be a very emotional time. Like, you know, if you've decided to split ways and you are still getting along and you are still communicating, like it's still going to be sad, you know, to see that chapter of your life ending. And although positive things can happen to you after divorce, you know, even in that time, it's it's going to have some emotions tied to it. And so if you can make any of those decisions ahead of time, when things are really good in your relationship, I feel like that's a smart move to make. Absolutely. We're seeing an increasing number of people proposing divorce to their opposite sex spouse because uh, they've either finally realized or they're ready to come out as being LGBTQ. So, and we, we are seeing a lot of people who, because of that reason, are divorcing amicably. Is there a way any or any advice that you have for people who initially are starting out divorcing with a lot of angst? Is there a way for to turn that into an amicable situation? I'll throw that to Shanna. I think that communication is the key to everything. Uh, yes. I think when divorces become emotionally charged, a lot of times it's because one or both parties feel like they have been horribly wronged. And a lot of times it's, it's, um, it's a fear or anger response. So especially with regards to your community, if they're, if they're coming to the point where they now feel comfortable coming out and realizing that this, you know, marriage they have entered into is not 
really what they want because it's not who they are. I think if they are able to communicate with their spouse and let them know that it, it really isn't because of who their spouse is, it's because of who they are and they will still always love this person and still, you know, want to be able to have them in their life. And, you know, it has nothing to do with them. I think that can soften it a lot. I think, I really think that's the case in in any relationship, really. If, if you can communicate about the reasons why it's not working without, you know, anger or yelling or fear, then that helps the process. Does that mean the other person will will agree and and be amicable? No, <laughs> because you can't control <laughs> what other people do. That would be great, but you can't. <laughs> right. But you can control how you present the information and the facts and do everything in your power not to hurt them and to make them realize that it's not really about them and that you're very sorry this is the case, but this is simply just the case and it's who you are. I also think that um, we... We talked earlier about the societal pressures that maybe both of you felt. Maybe some in our community are feeling that over the last couple of years as well. If you've been together with someone for years, maybe decades, and marriage equality happens, you feel this you know, rush and everyone says, oh, you guys should be married. You've been together for 15 years. So it may be the kind of a, a similar situation where you you can talk to each other amicably and say this this wasn't really where we were sh- we should have headed and uh and then have that opportunity to to go through the divorce where you're <laughs> in a sane situation not having the anger not having that fear and you can work through a a marital agreement or work through the divorce proceedings as if you were you were friends and stay friends mhm I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So is there anything else you would like to share with our audience um, that they should know about about divorce if they're considering divorce or what they should consider maybe before they even get into marriage to prepare for a potential pending divorce? Hopefully it won't end up that way. <laughs> I'll throw it to Kayla. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've touched on it a lot in here, but it's really just about you know knowing yourself and trusting yourself and and listening to yourself but also you know thinking about your partner like you know thinking through those things and not letting those societal pressures get to you i think is huge now how do you do that that's the age old question right but i think that still comes back to knowing yourself and knowing your partner and having those open lines of communication kind of like shanna was alluding to Mm-hmm. That's really how you're gonna gonna get through this and still be true to yourself and be true to your relationship and have your partner be the same. Yeah, I think that's great. So, how can our listeners and everyone in the whole world learn more about Cashwise Ex-Wives? Shanna, well, we have a website, CashwiseExwives.com. I know that one's that one's difficult. We got tricky with it. Um, <laughs> we, <laughs> uh, we also have a public Facebook page. Kayla always corrects me because sometimes I'm wrong about the groups and the pages. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we have a, a private Facebook group. That's a private group where we do a weekly uh, live streaming. Kayla and I are either having a discussion amongst the, the two of us uh, related to some different topic uh, for divorce, or we have on a monthly guest for different areas of expertise. And those guests will a lot of times give us some sort of documentation or uh, a takeaway, and we will add that to the private group so that our members can have access to that. And then we also have a YouTube channel where you can see a snippet of the the weekly chat that we're having to see if you're interested to get into the members only group. 
Gotcha. That's great. So just to be clear to our, our listeners that CashWise XYs is a membership only site, right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. But they can get preludes and whatnot uh, on the YouTube channel. And they can reach out to us outside of it from our, from our website or, you know, Facebook messenger. So we're, we will still respond of course, but if they want to get all of the documentation and the, the full uh, live streamings, they have to be a, a part of the membership group. Gotcha. Great. And then is, um, you're both women. There might be the suspicion that you're only available to women. Um, are your services available to men as well? They're available to everybody. Anybody who is potentially thinking about divorce in the middle of going through it or on the other side of it. Right. So. Well, thank you guys so much for, for having coming on our show. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much for turning what could be a sensitive topic and a tough time in your lives to, into something that's helping other people with a tough time in their lives. Um, I think that's brilliant. And it's um, if nothing else, it's you're helping uh, millions of people. So that, that's wonderful. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Kayla and Shanna, for sharing your insight and kudos to you for turning your challenge into a way to help other people. For our listeners, even if this topic of divorce doesn't apply to you now, this is worthwhile information to know. And at the very least, you've heard two examples of people turning their pain into a means to serve others. How might you do the same? Finally, don't forget today's Crew Money is brought to you by the Debt Free Guys 7-Day Debt Freedom Challenge, and you can accept that challenge at DebtFreeGuys.com. If you like this episode or any other episode of Queer Money, please help us get Queer Money into the ears of more people. Please share Queer Money with one or two people in your life today. Thank you, and we'll talk with you next week. To learn more about our sponsor, Mass Mutual, or to find an advisor, visit MassMutual.com.